Just a heads up, the episode you're about to listen to, the first in a two-part series, is like one big digressively horrified in which Jeremy, Ben, and Emily get really excited to talk about Psycho Gorman, written and directed by Stephen Kostansky. If you haven't watched the movie, just know that in this movie, an alien warrior who calls himself the Archduke of Nightmares is renamed Psycho Gorman, or PG, by two kids that found a magic gem that can ostensibly control him. Having been formerly enslaved by a group of Templars who overtook his own planet, PG needs to fight against the evil Templar Pandora to keep from being killed and or re-enslaved by his own henchmen, his paladins who have betrayed him. Hilarity ensues. Uh, there's also a lot of blood, some gore, mind control, some torture, and a little bullying. Our hosts have rated this movie as spoopy. After the scary music, you will hear spoilers. Kind of. I don't know. Let's, uh, let's get on with the show. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified. The show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold board to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the incredible and incredibly weird Psycho Gorman. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, they're here to invade your house and find queer content in all your favorite movies. My co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Finally, a movie with a happy ending. <laughs> uh, and we picked her up at the spooky crossroads of anime and sexy monster media it's co-host and comics artist emily martin how are you emily i will say i do like hunky boys <laughs> and psycho gorman gets my entire sexy monster approval just to give people the basics this is written and directed by steven kostansky it stars nita jose hannah owen meyer Adam Brooks and Alexis Karen Hansi, as well as a lot of people in heavy costumes and makeup and stuff like that, that are a little bit more difficult to see. The IMDb for it says, after unearthing a gem that controls an evil monster looking to destroy the universe, a young girl and her brother use it to make him do their bidding. And yeah, that's a pretty accurate description of what's going on here. Except, except for, for the and her brother part. Nobody's doing Luke's bidding. Yeah. <laughs> poor, poor, poor Luke. The scene at the end where Psycho Gorman knows the names of the mom and dad, but still not Luke. Oh, I, I just love this movie. I, I have no commentary. I'm just like, hey, remember that line? Everything was good. Every joke landed. Yeah, I, I think down to like it's starting with the scroll with narration as it like slowly pans up to the the earth. I think at that point I was like, all right, it had better earn this. Like, oh, it did. thinking what my critiques of this movie are. I have one critique and I think it's that Psycho Gorman should have been the one to suggest Crazy Ball instead of having Mimi suggest Crazy Ball at the end. Yeah, I, I do want to talk some about the beginning of this because it does open with this like raging battle scene that's between Mimi and her brother Luke with them playing Crazy Ball, which will be like a huge thing in this. And Crazy Ball, the rules don't matter as much as that you just know that it's a thing that they make up on the fly. They've added all these crazy rules to, and it, it, it just needs to be a thing that like evokes that feeling of like kids playing and making up a game as they go. It starts off shot in this very like epic widescreen battle mode. And then at one point they just zoom out and you can see like 
the two of them like spinning around and randomly doing jumping jacks and just like how how silly all of this really looks as they're doing it which is really set up for the amazing joke of the slow-mo epic psycho goreman versus his paladins fight which then also gets the zoom out takes away the music and sound effects and he's just getting hosed down with a weird red goo oh yeah yeah him and <laughs> like yeah. all the various monsters including Mr. Meat Grinder. Meat Grinder Man, who, by the way, is played by Rich Evans of Red Letter Media. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there's a lot of, like, really interesting cameos of people, but you can't actually see them because they're under crazy makeup or uh, costumes or whatever. Um, Real who's who of Canada's indie finest. I was expecting Henry Zabrowski to show up, but I don't think he's in any of those costumes. I feel like Correct one of them... Wrong. One of them should have been voiced by Brian Cranston as just an extra homage to Power Rangers. <laughs> they have Stuart Wellington of the Flophouse in there uh, oh, okay. as Tube Man. Does Tube Man even have any? Well, he's just in the suit. Every I don't think Tube Man has any speaking lines. I think he's just like. Doesn't he make some noises? Doesn't he make a maybe? Yeah, I, I I do know that he volunteers to go first to shoot himself at the end. Yeah, he does raise his robot arm. <laughs> Every creature design in this movie is so fucking phenomenal yeah it's one of those things that happens sometimes when you have that real talent and i'm sure that there's editing involved in this but it feels so freeform just like a couple of kids playing crazy ball and just making shit up as they go along yeah i think it's really like you have one person who's doing the writer director and is a special effects person so they don't have to play telephone to get this meat grinder man out. They're the person that's doing this. Yeah. I think like this movie is so smart in the way it moves because I think like this first scene, both the way that that first scene is shot and then the fact that Mimi's prize for winning or I guess Luke's for losing is that he has to be buried alive in the backyard. And she I love has him dig like this giant hole in the backyard. Well, I love Luke's quiet resignation at this beginning. He's like, that's fair. Quiet resignation is Luke's default mode. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> like, oh, well, I guess. Luke has been beaten down very early in life by Mimi. Yes. I mean, that's the setup for like how they find this, whatever the container is that Psycho Gorman is in, which is sealed by this gem that she takes off. But ends up being how she is able to control him and make him be you know her monster throughout the course of this movie the whole setup is just brilliant and it's set up so quickly because you know once he does bust out you get this one scene of him with the you know petty criminals who are just there to die in mm -hmm. that scene you can't possibly root for these guys or feel bad that they died because they're sitting around like talking about all the stuff they just stole from an old man that they killed <laughs> it's like well these guys suck all right yeah these are some gangsters straight out of an alley of a Frank Miller Batman comic. This movie, I'm just going to say right now, is not like a movie that it is a beacon of any sort of progressive politics or any sort of, I mean, you have Mimi as this fantastically monstrous girl character as opposed to little boy problem child who is her cinema progenitor. But this movie is just about as ridiculous and just gross as it can be. And it's self-aware. I mean, it's 100% self-aware about but, all its decisions. In terms of progressiveness, do we want to talk about the queer content in this movie? Up to and including Psycho Gorman himself? 
I do because that is what got me like ultimately interested. It was got me to click the play button on the Amazon Prime or my Shutter subscription is I saw a gift set and it was Sacred Gorman looking at the, yeah, the she offers boys. him the magazine with the hunky boys in it. She's like, here, check out the hunky boys. And he says, uh, I, I, I like don't care boys. about hunky I care boys. Not. I just care for hunky boys. Or do I? Do I? Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. But what truly sent me, fucking my soul left my body, is when the magazine gets stepped on. And yeah, and so they go, Gorman impassionately yells out, not my hunky boys. If there's a sequel and it's just a straight up fucking romance of Psycho Gorman and a hunky boy, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. And when you said like, it's not a bastion of, of progressiveness or progressive politics, but I feel like it interestingly is, and in that it is not a movie that is particularly about something. It is a fun, stupid monster movie that like theoretically is about family. Like it has a, you know, message about caring about your family and stuff that is only there because of the movies that it is aspiring to be like the, you know, eighties monster movies of its type, the Goonies and, and monster squads and, and things like that. Yeah. But like, it takes all of that stuff that like, this is like what I remember monster squad being like as a kid that like, when I go back and watch those eighties movies, like monster squad now that I'm like, oh. They just called this kid an F-slur like eight times in the first five minutes. I can't watch this with my kids. It's hard to enjoy now because it's it's like so 80s. It's the the politics and the, the language yeah. and everything. It's just so rough to watch. I think this is like somebody saying, hey, I really loved these movies. What if they were actually good? Like, what if they were progressive enough that you can like have this girl main character who is not defined by being the girl she is the monster she is the horrible to her brother and there's never a point in the movie where the movie goes hey isn't it weird that like the little girl is the bad one or isn't it weird that this brother like just lets just let's beat the crap out of him because like this yeah. is just the this, this story like that's yeah it's not the girl she is the pure id who is constantly operating at galaxy brain levels yeah and she's she's so fantastic it's you, you don't even have time to think about anything else other than all the crazy shit she's doing on screen weirdly in a way it is feminist it has interesting if not profuse like queer content it doesn't no homo in the way that so many of like these types of horror movies do. No, it it yeah. yes homo. It has, <laughs> yeah, it does. Yes, it has homo the chance to be no homo. Starts out as no homo, and then goes actually on second thought, yes homo. Yeah, there is class content, but it's so surface level. You know, yes. all this stuff happening at the abandoned shoe factory that's been left behind by this. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about um. PG's backstory as like the slave. Oh, yeah. And that, that is actually, yeah. That's I mean, you point. do have that. Expect the philosophical depth of a cool 1970s laser rock show. Yeah. This, I think the summation of this film as the movie that we wanted the Goonies to be or that we wanted Monster Squad to be is perfect because this is exactly that. Like it's with the same effects, but with a smarter. A uh, script with smarter characters. Again, it's it's over the top ridiculous. The mom and dad are kind of awful, especially the dad. But like, it's in a way that's very like winking. Like we know what we're doing. Horror yeah. movies are like oh, yeah. this. Like yeah. the parent the dad the movies are always terrible. Oh, 
I laughed so hard when the dad told the baseball card collection in the van story. <laughs> yes, this dad's moment of like triumphant dad inspiring speech is like when I was 10, oh, this old creepy guy was like, I want to show you this collection of baseball cards in my van. So I went to the van with him. I got to see some really cool baseball cards. And that's what you should take away from this is you should you should really trust the the creepy uh you know murderer in your life. I knew that trust this creepy murder monster. I knew that this dad was solid gold when Luke asked him if there are monsters and he says humans are the real monsters. So yes. Yeah, the dad actually well, it's funny because you see the parents at the beginning and they seem okay. They become more and more guys from moment one. He microwaved a chicken. Despite his compound fracture later. He straight up breaks his arm like bone sticking out, you know, when he tries to high five PG. Yeah. So good. I miss this movie so much, y'all. This film is is just, uh, as any film should be, a string of great moments that are memorable. Great characters that, even though some of them do not have any speaking lines whatsoever, are entirely memorable. And that's what makes a good film. Like, think about The Fifth Element. You know, that movie didn't change the world. Or maybe it did. I don't know. I mean, who? some people's minds, maybe. It changed Chris Tucker's world. Every character in that movie, whether they spoke or not, or how much they spoke, was pretty memorable. That's good shit right there. Oh, another amazing moment is the evil gang bad crime people that get killed by Psycho Gorman in his introduction. One of them he doesn't kill. He just sends in like eye-rolling eternal pain dimension. The fantastic moment when they knock him over and he dies. And PG's reaction is, no, he was my masterpiece. There's like, yeah, there's so much stuff in this movie. There are these beautiful little homages. You know, you have those 80s quirky horror adventures and then you have Hellraiser. Like, (laughs) the like, 80s electricity that he uses to like yeah. move people around and you know that it's clearly like drawn on the screen in the same way the hellraiser stuff is yeah the, you know the weird poetic way in which he you know talks to people as he's killing them that the guy is like no don't kill me and he's like i won't i shall leave you alive to be in pain for thousands of years or something yeah when he's like who are you know me and then he turns into bio cop <laughs> Yeah. In order to like into don't have rock his true name, you have to melt. Like you can't understand who he is unless you physically melt your body. It is truly unique. There is a certain appreciation for practicals for these practical effects and these rubber suits. Yeah, I mean, there's but, as far as I can tell, I love the practical suits. Other than maybe some of the backgrounds and stuff, there there is no CGI in this movie. That is not a thing they're interested in. Everything I don't know, maybe. practical is. Maybe some of the lasers. Yeah. I mean, uh, BGI, there's the, at the end credits, there's the Psycho Gorman title card, which is definitely CGI, but in a sort of very Tron way. Speaking of, can we talk about I'm the heckin' best? Her, Mimi's musical number in the middle of this movie. Yeah, the fucking montage with the, where they go and they dress Psycho Gorman up. And also She's doing like karaoke things. with Psycho Gorman and their parents and Luke is like backup dancers and stuff as they're going through all this. <laughs> I think we've established I love a horror movie with a musical number. <laughs> yes. You know. We need to talk about the Wicker Man soon. But uh, anyway. We need to talk about the Psycho Gore sword that Psycho Gorman makes. 
of all the decisions. Like, that's another thing about this movie is that these decisions that they make, these like creative decisions, again, so fucking chaotic and beautiful. So Psycho Gorman is up against the uh, Pandora, the the Templar angel, uh, fascist angel lady. And Final Fantasy, final boss. He's, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. His gem back I mean, because pen- he had been poisoned by the paladins. I'm sorry, penultimate boss. I know my Final Fantasies. You get the yeah, human away have- first, then you get the monster. Yeah, she doesn't have bits. There's no bits to this monster yet. Although, if a movie had a final monster with bits, I will know that my childhood is valid. So she's like got her holy laser blade or whatever. And then Psycho Gorman doesn't have a sword. And she's like, well, how are you going to defeat my blade? And he proceeds to pull a bunch of her body parts out and stick them together. Like he's putting together the fucking master sword or the power ranger sword, but with guts. And he manages to beat her with a sword made from her own guts, which is it makes sense beats her she's lost half of her her yeah but they're like in these are like wobbly ass cosplay swords that they're using and they're not hiding they're not trying to make it bigger than it is they're not trying to hide any of this rubber because they're bracing the rubber and this sword that i don't know if it's sharp it's certainly pointy like a cone made out of intestine it's a meat and bone cone yeah I do got appreciate. I do got to give it to um, Pandora. It's like he's just ripped out so many of your organs, and you're like, I still got a shot. I can still beat a bit swords play, but um, we get the culmination of our active our rule of threes with the let's zoom out and show this epic thing we were just showing as being kind of silly when you're getting Luke and Mimi's reconciliation. And they're just bashing their swords at each other in the background while slowly walking across the screen. Yeah, this movie is really great. And it's parody of those kind of transitions in these action movies that are that still go on. You know, like you're in the middle of a building falling and then somebody's talking about how they've always loved you or whatever. And then all of the sound goes out. And this is just unapologetically like this. What's the word? Whiplash of transitions from a completely different mood even though it's in the same scene yeah this movie thrives on just again using either absurdity or normalcy to subvert all expectations like whenever the show whenever a story playing it straight would zig this one zags yeah yeah i i think you're talking about Final Fantasy bosses, and I think this end scene feels so much like Final Fantasy because, like, first you have to play the weird games. Is it because of the Blitzball? To beat them. Blitz because ball. of Blitzball, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, because you, <laughs> you have to get through that first, and when you win that, then it's the big fight because the Blitzball is supposed to solve everything, but there's still going to be a fight. The yeah. only thing that's missing is, you know, her turning into a story. story. That's not the story of Final Fantasy, but I'm going to let you continue. I do love the, the only part of this we really haven't talked about so far is the ending. They beat this uh, evil Nazi angel, and then like Psycho Gorman's like, "Of course, I'm going to spare all of you." Like I said, I like I said, I was. You've taught me a valuable lesson about family and friendship, and it's like even the characters in the movie are like, "Did we? Like, did we teach him that?" Well, <laughs> I love like, what are you talking about <laughs> when they're debating whether to give the gem back to uh, Psycho Gorman. 
And Sailor Norman's like, yes, yes, I'll spare you and the, the family. And they're like, okay, yeah, that's good. And like, what about the rest of humanity? Oops. I forgot to ask about them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's too late now. Yeah. And then it, it ends Again, with like good, good family. humanity. What about our species is worth saving? Fuck it. Come on, Psycho Gore, man. And then, then it ends with the family, like going back to their nice, normal family life with like news reports in the background of Psycho Gorman destroying and terrorizing the rest of the world. And it, it's just played as a happy ending. It's, it's fantastic. There is think? a line we hear in that newscast where it says no casualties reported. Now, does that mean somehow Psycho Gorman is destroying all the buildings without killing anybody? Or he's killed everyone who would do the reporting. Who knows? We'll find out from the comics. Because is it the no casualties that's doing the heavy lifting? Or is it the reported doing the heavy lifting? <laughs> uh, thinking about the politics, I mean, we talked about how it doesn't have a lot of problems as far as the things it normally might with feminism and with LGBTQ content. I think the place where it's maybe the least progressive is there's very little race stuff. There's one person of color and she is immediately killed and then impersonated by the evil angel lady. And then it doesn't really make an attempt to say anything about mental illness other than making uh, Psycho a cool part of the name of the main character, which I don't know. It is what it is. A little unfortunate thing with it in terms of race, like, ooh, is the like the one character of color immediately have their identity stolen and co-opted by an all white, powerful fascist. I think there's some deliberate quality to that there might be some commentary there i don't know like i might be looking into this movie about rubber monsters a a lot more than i should but you know what that's my job so i'm going to i feel like considering all of the decisions all of the zags where we would expect zags i think that there is something to a little there's some commentary there and also the fact that they call pretty much call everything out that needs to be called out. Yeah, the I mean, that's true. Yeah, I mean, just really at this point, if you're right, if yeah, unless they're a member of the family in this movie, awful things are going to happen to them. So, like, do you want to still have somebody of color in the cast that an awful thing happens to, or do you just not want to have any people of color in the cast? Because very legit eruptions. Very legit. Again, this movie's amazing. I fucking love this movie so fucking hard. The ending has two songs there's a glam metal song about psycho gorman that then shifts immediately into a 90s hip-hop song about psycho gorman very much in the vein of humpty humps t-u-r-t-l-e power any movie that will smith was in in the 90s yeah and the adams family which was a weird one doing themes for his movies because that could only have improved gemini man Do you want him to do a cool rap song for the end of King Richard? Yes! I would love uh, a, a thematic rap song about Venus and Serena Williams at the end of that movie. Yes! Tag Will Smith, you're welcome. Oh my God. Do it. Yeah, the, and the, uh, the hip-hop song about Psycho Gorman, PG for short, doesn't refer to Luke by name either. Just Mimi and her brother. Uh, Alas. And the parents are in the movie together, question mark? I I mean, as together as they can be. Um, and they were at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. There's a we, real, um, God, what's the parents' names in Rick and Morty? Jerry and Beth energy to them. Yeah, that's another thing that this movie is quite a lot like. It's kind of like Rick and Morty, but it's not up its own ass like Rick and Morty is. 
Take on the Rick and Morty fandom. Come on, guys. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not poking that hornet's nest. No, I love You're So Right when they're first introduced, the parents seem normal, and then the dad just becomes so comically useless. Yeah. And then you get the mom transforming, and then it's like, God, this nothing in this movie, so everything in this movie is going to be fucking hilarious and amazing, and I love it. I guess that answers what would be our next question is, would we recommend people watch this movie? I would recommend you watch this movie a thousand times. Yeah, like two nanoseconds, yes. Yeah, I I think comparatively to a lot of movies, we've watched relatively few trigger warnings. I mean, there is a lot of blood, if that's a a problem for you. There's a lot of gore. There's no attempted rape, which is, you know, a nice change of pace. Yeah, uh, a few monsters get eaten alive. So I'd say either trigger warnings or happy viewings depending on how you feel about that (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh yeah Hmm. um just gonna flag that one you decide but yeah there's a lot of guts certainly a lot of guts i guess emily what uh what would you recommend people enjoyed psycho gorman i'm gonna go with the original common writer and the the more recent common writer series there the japanese common writer series there's a whole universe of television programs it's a common writer in super sentai which is the japanese power rangers and those series are hilarious if you can find the original ones i mean the original power ranger certainly was it had a quality tm but a quality yes but uh, quality to it yeah the common writer series are really hilarious and also we think of these shows being like serious shows about heroes their kids shows and they're also in the same way that a lot of kids shows here are smart and funny and and accessible that way it's very similar also with a similar amount of gore check out the the common writer series and that whole run goes through the 90s and there's a lot of fantastic stuff out there you have a favorite Um, rendition of common writer oh gosh i can't remember the name of it I've heard a lot of people really like Forza. Is that the one where... He's the one who wants to make friends with everybody. That's all I, I know. That... Which was the one who always points at the sun? I don't know. That's the one hey, that I like. This David that... did that. Yeah. And then he hit the home run. Yeah. He only put... after getting a magical girl transformation sequence. Yeah, this is similar, except he, whenever he said his name, he would point to the sun. Because he was named after the sun or something. I can't remember. I just remember it was really good and... I could Google it, but I want to hear what Ben's recommendation is. As a huge fan of horror comedy, it is my favorite subgenre of horror. This one is right up there with the best of them. So check out Shaun of the Dead. Check out What We Do in the Shadows, movie and show. Check out Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Check out Evil Dead 2. And, and just have yourselves a good bunch of spooky laughs. Oh, common yeah. writer. Kabuto. Kabuto. Like Kabuto's the... Yeah, that's the one. The fossil Pokemon. Yeah. Also the evil nurse from Naruto and the Japanese word for helmet. Yeah, which is named after the Japanese rhinoceros beetle. Oh, shit. That's Put true. me in my fucking place. <laughs> <laughs> nice. For me, I'm going to recommend something that's not particularly related but i've been playing over the last week a, a game i'm playing it on ps5 i know it's on playstation 4 as well called until dawn if you haven't played until dawn it is a movie that makes uh, a lot of 
use of mocap. It really like it has actors and actresses in the movie that it goes through great pains to make let you know that they're playing these characters. It's got a, a pretty awesome cast of, of people, but it basically puts you into a slasher movie where like there's, you know, various slasher stuff happening. It's a group of friends who, uh, you know, a year ago they were at this cabin and their friends who were twins ended up because of a prank running off into the snow and they ended up, you know, meeting their untimely demise. They haven't been seen since then. And now a year later, they're coming back to this thing to remember them. And then immediately strange stuff starts happening. There's weird guys in the woods and there's some very like saw level kind of stuff going on as well as like some, you know, supernatural things. It's a really fun experience because depending on the choices you make and the things you do in the game, some of your characters aren't going to make it out. You know, if you choose the wrong thing and you put yourself in, in, you put your character in danger, your character will die. I don't know how far I am in. I think I'm only a few, I'm only a few hours from dawn at this point, but I have lost at least one of the main characters, if not two. One of my guys got hung, hung on a hook by his face. The game will give you hints, basically foreshadowing things that'll happen so that you can figure out ways to avoid them if you're, you know, eagle-eyed and, and paying attention. But this is all delivered through picking up Native American totems that are scattered throughout the, the game. If mm. you pick them up and you look at the back of them, they will show you a bit of a scene of something that has yet to happen. And it's really slapdash Native American mysticism stuff, which is is less than great. But I think it's it's an unimportant enough part of the story that it, it doesn't really affect the enjoyability of the game until you really start thinking about this mechanic. And it's like, why did they even do this? But yeah, un Until Dawn, definitely an interesting one. If you know, you're a fan of horror stuff, it's worth checking out for sure. Thanks, Ben and Emily, as always, for joining me here. And thanks to all of you for joining us here and listening. You can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter and at Mega underscore Moth on Instagram and at Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at Ben the Con at their website on BenConComics.com, where you can pick up all their latest books, including the brand new Immortals Phoenix Rising graphic novel from Great Beginnings and the Glad Award-nominated Renegade Rule graphic novel. Uh, and finally, for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome 58 and on my website at JeremyWhitley.com, where you can check out everything I write. And of course, the podcast is on Patreon at Progressively Horrified, our website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, and on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod, uh, where we would love to hear from you. And speaking of loving to hear from you, uh, we would love it if you rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to it. That's the best way for us to find new listeners. Thanks again to all of you for listening. We appreciate you so much. We will see you next week. And until next time, stay horrified. The spooky music you're listening to right now is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Progressively Horrified was created by Jeremy Whitley and produced and edited by me, Alicia Whitley. This episode featured the Horror Squad, Jeremy, Ben, and Emily. You can get more episodes and episode transcripts online by visiting progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. And if you like what you've heard, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, or let us know by visiting us on Twitter at FrogHorrorPod. And make sure to tune in next week for the second in this two-part series, an interview with professional wrestler and graphic novelist Andy Bellinger on adapting Psycho Gorman for comics. Thanks for listening to the show, and as always, stay horrified. Did you clap? I clapped. Okay, I didn't hear it. A very quiet clap. 
Very zen. <laughs>